Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Forged in combat and tailored for hunters, Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can now take Spartan Forge with you wherever you go by downloading the mobile app. Enjoy deer prediction analysis, weather forecasts, historical data, detailed journaling, as well as crisp maps. It's time for you to make the most of your season and let Spartan Forge do that for you. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20%. Check it out over at spartanforge.ai. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. We are on episode 112. Dimitri and I, we were joined by PA native Howie Miller. It was a great pleasure having Howie on the podcast to talk about his successful season here in PA. We also discussed about what he's doing right now and what he will be doing in the months to come to his PA property to get it ready for next year. We also talked about fine-tuning his mobile setup and asked us some questions about how we run ours. And anytime we talk about gear, I'm always up for it. And again, it's all about being that the most efficient hunter that we could possibly be. We loved every second out of it. So enjoy this stuff on the episode. Till next time, Antler Up. But yeah, so like we were saying, February 22nd, already ready for deer season, ready to get after it, go, uh, it's got a little bit more here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the snow finally melted and hopefully we don't get any more, but uh, it's going to be a good time to get out there and just kind of start prepping for the season. Got a couple trail cameras out there already, kind of soaking and already learned a bunch, you know, last mm-hmm. season into the off season already. So just going to kind of formulate some game plans already moving into spring and the summer. Yeah, I I I don't know just because my dad and I we still have the cameras up at the club right now and the past week they've been lighting up but the past couple of days since it's been nice. I mean, just deer all over. And we're getting them at my stand, maybe like one or two down at the bottom and then midway working that way up on the elevation up over there. He, his camera's getting lit up with multiple. And then a few minutes later, that group either works their way down or just another herd comes through. Uh, it's just, it, it's, it's awesome to see just because we're, we're you know, it just fires you up to, to see that. You know what I mean? Good deal. How you doing? Good, man. Feels awesome. It, we were just saying, we were just talking and Dimitri and I, we were just saying, man, it's February 22nd and we're ready to, for deer season. Yeah, I know. It's like as soon as it's over, you're, you're already thinking of next year. <laughs> I, I don't think there's a day. I, my dad and I, he actually messaged me today, and he's we're sending photos back and forth from getting some cell camera pictures, and he's like, I'm, I'm ready. I said, Dad, I said, I don't think there's – it's all I think about. <laughs> you know? Oh, I know. It's, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse, I always say. Oh, man. How about it? Dude, man, so what's going on? Where are you at right now? I remember last time that we were talking and we're uh, heading up to, to camp. So what, where's, I mean, you don't have to get to specifics, but what, what vicinity are you heading up to for camp? No, so I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not, I didn't make it up to camp, but uh, I'm, I'm in southeast PA right now. I live down here in Berks County. Oh, very right cool. We're Reading, but uh, I'm, I mean, I've been all over the state. I, I'm familiar with State College, used to used to go to a camp up there um for a long time okay and uh then got hooked up with some guys in tioga and i i got a camp up there you so you're right outside of redding my sister actually she lives outside of uh redding as well she lives in douglasville no kidding well, yep. that's where i grew up no way well there you go so i i've been uh my sister always talks about because obviously you're in that 5c area so you have that early yeah. season uh uh, hunting for for archery season and that's something that i've always wanted to do just because we usually go in to visit her just to she has a pool and all that type of stuff so i'm i'm always uh itching to get that 5c you know antlerless doe tag just to go in there but i don't really i mean there's a couple 
nice big forest areas, I guess that that's, you know, public land, but has, you know, recreational stuff to it. So I, I haven't had a chance to really get around there to walk around. I just, usually when I go in with the family, it's, you know, I have to be with them at that point in time, but something I'm interested in. I got a couple friends in that area. So I grew up in a little town called Culp town and it bordered French Creek state park. So I come home from school and I'd be in the woods pretty much every day. And I was fortunate enough to have a, um, permission to hunt a, like 180 acre farm and it bordered the uh, park and um, did pretty good there. And that's pretty much where I learned my, like, you know, deer, deer behavior and everything like that. Uh, and it's, it's nice here with, with the 5C starting early, you know, no matter, no matter what, it seems like that those first couple times out, if you're like in mobile setup or whatever, you're like rusty, you know, getting your yep. setup dialed in. So it's nice to kind of get out break that ice and uh you know get your setup kind of dialed in and maybe maybe smack a doe and break break the ice yeah that's always the exciting part i mean that's why too i mean i even you you hear people i would say even this past season i talked to a lot of local individuals that you know i know are hunters and maybe not so much like the in it for like how much we are in it i guess but they were like yeah i haven't even gone out it was maybe getting down to the in the 20th of October, I'm like, man, I just like going out that first day. If one lucky doe walks in front of me, I mean, I'm not opposed to letting the, that arrow fly just to get the, like you said, the rust out and get a shot in and put some meat in the freezer early and just, you know, that's what it's about. Yeah, that's something I just, like these last couple of years, I've been really trying hard to do just because for me, I feel like it's just such a confidence booster. Hell yeah. You know, just, you know, your system, everything's working. And, you know, I, I just moved into a saddle this past season was my second year and I like the first year I kind of struggled setting up. Um, and I, I was on the move a lot because I guess, I guess because I could be. Mm-hmm. And then this last year I, I kind of settled in more and stuck it out and just really fell in love with it. Right. That's, I mean, Dimitri, this is your first year in it. Yeah, this is my first year. I, I, I feel like I had less of a learning curve, um, than most, uh, but I mean, I settled in pretty nicely with yeah. it and I fell in love with it pretty quickly too. And it just was comfortable and felt natural and, and, uh, I don't think it'd be hard to go away from it now. Yeah. yeah. After you, yeah. It, it just, man, I, you know, I obviously kind of doing some stuff with tethered and everything and talking to individuals at the outdoor show, you know, this, you know, this past month and I was there on both weekends, you know, a lot of people that it was either their first time in it, trying it out at the booth or, you know, they wanted to see it. They never had a friend have one or anything like along those lines. And man, it just sets you up for more opportunities. Yeah. I I mean, I think so. I, my, my biggest regret with it was, uh, you know, I, I should have uh, practiced shooting out of it a little more, um, which I didn't. And man, I kind of learned, learned the hard way with that. (laughs) Well, that's what I know. I, I did a little bit of practicing as well. I I did a lot of climbing first and then kind of got situated. But then it was it was funny because once you start doing a little bit more shooting out of it, you kind of realize that you need a little bit more of that core strength mm-hmm. um, yep. to anchor and get that shot angle depending on where you're at, you know, in the saddle. And, you know, and that's what I kind of, you know, I've talked about it before is where I transitioned a lot of my 
training in the gym was, was that core stability and, and, you know, taking that kind of, um, drawing my bow with a little core, um, strengthening as well, just to kind of prepare myself for that. So, you know, you can do that in the gym or you can just get in the saddle and shoot out of it and try to, you know, cause it's a totally different feeling from shooting either on the ground or even out of a tree stand. So it's something you definitely want to take into consideration and not just jump in it before you, yeah. you know, shoot out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, this year I'm going to spend a lot more time, uh, like I shoot my bow a lot but i want to spend more time closer to season practicing climbing setting up and shooting out of it you know to, to make sure i'm completely dialed before i uh, get out there yeah, heck I, yeah. I gotta, i'm gonna do it got well, to what what's nice about the saddle i think for practice shooting like if you're coming from i mean it, it's a little bit easier to like obviously from a hang like a hang on compared to say a climber because then you don't have to keep getting up and down but i mean if you set your sticks up you know two sticks high and set your platform, it's easy mm -hmm. to just, you know, quickly get, you know, down safely. I think at that point in time, you could just, you know, latch in and, you know, be good to go and get up as many times as possible. Like I, when I practice a lot, I'll set it up like one stick high, but I mean, you just set up an extra stick just to practice shooting. And, you know, the, one of the key uh, components that I always tell people that are just buying, say a setup and getting into it, like kind of like what you said, Dimitri, don't even shoot out of it at first. Like just, figure out how to move in it because i mean the first time that i did it i remember like swinging from side to side and being like holy cow what did i do getting rid of everything else i didn't know if i was gonna like it and and then it was like okay let me rewatch some videos let me you know look up some more things and the second time i was like okay place your tether height here have your bridge yep. length this height you know or this length and adjust it from there and then it just became so natural and more efficient and a lot more comfortable and then I did that two or three times before I even started shooting. And then I set it up again, ground level with the bow, just to, you know, like Dimitri said, see how that core feels and work my way up. And I, you know, again, went up one stick high, set the platform and started practicing shooting. And I would set out like three or four different targets. And then I would move them around just to try different scenarios working around the tree. And, you know, it, it does, it helps out a lot. So I, you know, I tell people three times on the ground, two times shooting up in a tree, you'll, I, I think you'll, you'll feel pretty comfortable and get ready to get after it. Yeah. No, well, like I'm curious, how are you getting up? What are you using for, uh, climbing? So, uh, I, the past two seasons I used a, the Timber Ninja carbon fiber sticks that he had. And then towards the late season, I started using actually the tethered Skeletor sticks when they released those. I bought those on that Black Friday. They had them on sale and everything. And I, man, I'll tell you what, I love them. Like they, I'm not being a homer, being a you know a pro tethered type individual. But the one thing that I like about those sticks specifically is the way they stack. Uh, yes, they're they're heavier than the carbon fiber that I have. I gained what three pounds, four pounds using those. However the stability like when i when those suckers are biting into the tree they're not moving yeah i, mean, I find there's always some some sort of a trade-off yep. you, you gotta give you know, a little to get get something to to figure out what works best for you yep i, I don't know if it's just like another year older <laughs> or or what but it just there was a couple times when that that extra give in the tree 
uh, what's like with those lighter sticks, I was like, ah, man, I just, it, you know what I mean? They're a great stick. You know, Jason's a good dude over there at Timber Ninja. Um, but those Skeletors, they just, they, they did not move. Like it felt like they were a, like built in step into the tree. Uh, and the, those, uh, steps fold up. And when you pull them out, they actually fold away from the tree. So you have that extra boot room. And I never saw the kind of the benefit for that. I, I wear a nine and a half boot and I would, you know, you'd see people complain like, oh, I, I want to stick that the steps stick out from the tree. So it's on an angle. And I'm like, well, you know, I didn't see the benefit. Now I do. And that'd be hard for me to go back to a, kind of a normal stick for that. Yeah. So it sounds like we're pretty similar. I, I have a nine and a half inch boot that, that uh, I wear too. Mm-hmm. You have a 13, so I'm a little different <laughs> than you guys. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so getting up that tree might be a little bit different for yeah. me. But, um, yeah. you know, and I ran the XOP sticks, and they were the single sticks where, you know, it was a definitely a little bit more of a challenge only having that single step yeah. um, climbing up. I had the uh, aider on the first step. So, you know, and I was only running three sticks, so I wasn't getting nearly as high as – I mean, I was probably – getting as high as i wanted to mm-hmm. um but it'd probably you know if we get a little bit higher it'd definitely be more beneficial so you know one more stick might have been okay um but uh you know the xops i think if you're in the mid you know mid the lower price range for sticks and you know maybe you spend a little more money on the saddle and uh you know you can't ex- you yeah know, next year or, yeah you yeah. know and you can't upgrade to the the bigger stick i mean there was nothing wrong with them you know obviously just like you said, there's some pluses and minuses to yeah. everything that you use out there. But for the price point, you can't complain, right? right. There's going to be things yeah. that are a little bit better. Um, you know, are they a little heavy? Probably the, more than most. But, uh, you know, they worked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the one thing that I found for me, especially with those Skeletor sticks, again, was just the like rock solidness and the way they, they packed together just was easy to undo once you find your system i think too no matter what you're doing or product you're using once you dial in your system uh like how you were just saying like you know your second year you were going more places and figuring that out and you even put that on that last post to once you dial that in it's become second nature i mean it's hard to then break away from certain things you know oh yeah absolutely but so i'm using the um the b sticks the, sh- the shorter ones yep um three and the first year I had an aider, a single step aider on two, and then I had a three step aider on my bottom stick. Okay. And I liked that, but then it was just too much going on trying to wrap them up at night and, you know, they just didn't pack as well. So I took those off and I rigged up that three step aider to make it like a movable aider. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it worked, but I, I think for this year I'm going to. I'm probably going to invest in a, a good movable aider. Okay. Like, like a three-step aider. And then, cause, uh, you know, one thing I was always like, Oh, you gotta get high, high, you know, higher, the better, but I've been getting picked off. And I think now, I mean, if I could get in the cover lower, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I, this past late season was the first time that I started using like a removable aider myself because the ninjas had the retractable aider in those. And so now I was running three sticks and that got me anywhere from late season. I probably was only getting 16 feet at the most, but then, you know, early season because of 
you know, lighter cl- clothing. And if I, I would try to pick a uh, tree that would have a bigger base that I could kind of pull myself up and use it at like the base of that trunk of the tree as a step basically to get up in it, um, to get that okay. little extra foot. But I ended up ordering the ultimator and that piece of the, piece of equipment is is pretty sweet because you could actually purchase it in a one step two step or three step however you're able to adjust the length of each step on it oh Uh, yeah it's it's pretty slick and it weighs next to nothing i got the three step one because i'm gonna one of i just ran it on that bottom stick on the bottom like that first step on on the skeletor stick and when i ran that with all four sticks i mean i was definitely plus 20 like easily, okay. easily. That, that should put you in a pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and I was even, spot. and I was even thinking about running that top one, like running it on the top step so that when I would climb up, I was actually going to bring it up with me and okay. maybe even get away with three sticks um, just to see. And then just as I would climb down, just, you know, latch it on because it has that loop going around that it just easily would slide into the, on those steps and you could cinch it down actually. So it's not going to go anywhere. Um, but you could keep it loose enough that you could fit it on. So it's, it's a really cool piece of equipment. I mean, I think for the three step, it was like 65 or $70. Don't quote me on it, but it was definitely around that price range, which is about that price for any of those three step aiders that, that you are, you know, looking online for. How did it hang off of the stick to hang? You know, because like well, the the problem I ran into was it it would swing into the tree, and mm-hmm. it was hard to get my foot into it, especially coming down at night. Like, it wasn't so bad going in when it was daylight. Yeah, and I was trying to come down at night. I'm trying. I was fighting, especially over like a windy night, and mm-hmm. it's blowing like to the side. I struggled. Like it's like, oh man, I might not be able to get out of here tonight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would say like honestly, it's not too bad. I'm gonna send you some photos right now. Um, it actually wasn't too bad. The like three or four times that I was able to to actually use it, um, just because it actually it had some weight to it. Again, it's not like heavy, but the material on it is like sturdy enough and stout enough that it's not going to just like be blown in the wind and be hard to get in too, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And I, I was using the, I was running the crispy brake stall boots, which I think is like the stiffer, pretty stiff boot. So if I would kick my toe into the tree, mm-hmm. it, it would like dig in real good and I could bite down onto that step. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm a big, big crispy f- uh, boot fan I've, I've been running the the thor twos are by far my favorite they're they're stiff enough uh for the saddle hunting and stiff enough to to go out west and hike around and especially around here too as well i'm a big big believer in the thor twos yeah i was actually thinking about i want to get something different i i bumped up to the uh zamberlin storm uh i, I mean they're they seem like a decent boot but I don't, I think I could do a little better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm thinking about going the Thor route, but mm-hmm. I'm not, not 100% sure yet. What yeah. Do? I think they're going to be releasing some new boots uh, coming up soon. I saw they posted one the other day of I th- people were uh, excited about the, for like, oh, this is going to be a great spring bear hunt boot, basically. I think it might be a little bit lighter, might have a little bit more flex to it. But I mean, everything that I've heard and talking to some people that have been saddle hunting for years, they actually like a little bit of a stiffer boot just because of like 
the comfort level of being on that angle of leaning basically. Uh, and I kind of could see that. I know like even sometimes like I have a, a, a cheaper under armor pair of boots that are just like, kind of like your everyday hiking boot. Like, you know, very, I think I paid like 80 bucks for them. Really, really flex to them. Like there's no, no stiffness yeah. in them. And I remember the first time, like I was just practicing and I was, I was like, man, I'm not wearing these boots ever, even in the early season, because it just, it hurt. It actually hurt my feet. So yeah that's not good i mean boots are tough because everybody's feet are different and yep. those those high-end boots uh it, it's hard to find anybody that deals with them around here mm-hmm. so it's nice to be able to try them on and most of the time you got to order them and then you're just like you know you don't know what sometimes they run a little small or they might run big like the crispies fit my feet well but the toe box was tight yeah so i like i wish i would have went a half a size larger on those so i went a little bit bigger with the zamberlins and i wish i would have stayed to the nine and a half because I actually got a 10, but you know, it's yep. live and learn. Yeah, exactly. No, man. Well, how I like this the little discussion already, man, this is, <laughs> this is good stuff, dude. What, uh, you know, what would you say, you know, kind of continue on with like a little bit of an introduction of yourself. We've, we've, we've been asking some of our recent guests, like if you look on the back of your baseball card, what's your, uh, bio basically going to say so you know maybe what are your, your bread and butter what are some of the things that you've been successful doing over the past couple of seasons oh man uh you know I, I i grew up around hunting and um i i caught the bug at a young age and you know like thanks to my grandfather for that he uh you know always talked about it um got me into it mm-hmm. and i mean I just got obsessed with it ever since, you know, I was little and I feel like the first couple of years, um, I was lucky because I had a good spot to hunt. All the stands were already set up. Thanks again. Thanks to my grandfather. Um, I got a lot of heat for that because everybody's like, Oh, you know, you don't know how to hunt. They're all give me deer because you know, they're all preset this and that. Um, it wasn't until I, we lost that property. it, It ended up getting sold and, um, but we, you know, my grandfather grew up hunting in the mountains and, uh, it was always like in the back of my mind, hearing him talk about the mountains. And I was always just like enamored to be in the mountains. And once I like lost that property and started hunting up there, I was kind of lost for, like the first couple of years, but just every time I was in the mountains, I just grew more and more in love with it. So it became like a, kind of like a, a goal of mine to figure my own way. And because the times are different, like the way he hunted back in the seventies and the heyday, oh, you know, you see hundred deer a day mm-hmm. and you know, it wasn't like that w- when I got up there and, you know, I, I had to just kind of pave my own way and find, find out, you know, on my own. So I was how I'd be successful in just figuring out, um, th- those big woods. No, I mean, I, I shouldn't say figure them out because you're you never really figure them out but mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know what i mean but um i i think just learning a lot a lot of ground and spending the time in the woods you know like if, if you're looking at my card it'd be just some dude that's ate up with uh deer hunting and just loves to be outside the outdoors and um you know every now and then I, i'm lucky enough to get a deer i like it that's, yeah, how we, man. that's how I am. <laughs> Sometimes I'm lucky enough to get one. One's dumb enough yeah. to give me a, a shot or two at it. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it wasn't until these last few years that I really started 
trying to shoot bigger bucks. Um, cause I mean, my first buck up there with a bow was a six pointer. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I got to break the ice. Cause uh, I want to say it was like several, seven years. until I shot my first archery buck up there. Cause we were having the farm. I shot some decent buck and I was holding out, holding out. And it's like, I, I got to get something on the ground and, and break, break this spell on me. And, um, you know, I got, I got that six point on the ground and then it, it did, it broke the ice and then it, they just started coming after that. Yeah. And then now that I'm more into the bigger deer, you know, last year I ate tag soup and I don't know, it was like the first year in a long time I didn't get a buck, but I was kind of glad cause it, it, it pushed me to learn more mm-hmm. and it just made me a better hunter. I feel like. Yeah. What, uh, what would you say right now? Like this, you know, we're here in February, we're getting ready for March, the snow's melting. And I know there could be potentially some snow coming Thursday into Friday. You know, what are some things you're doing right now to get you ready for next year already? I know, like, again, we talked about even more starting, like we're only a month, a month out, but like, this is the time that everybody says, like, get out there and, you know, what, what, what are some of the things that you're doing currently to, or will be doing to, to prepare yourself for next year? Oh, so, so that's a little tough one for me because I, uh, I got so many irons in the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got 38 acres up there and I've been getting in more into the, like the land management these last couple of years. Um, so now I'm kind of thinking food plots, stuff like that. Um, and like these last couple of years to me, it was about giving back to my grandfather. Um, I want, he, he struggled to get a deer or a buck these last couple of seasons. So I really wanted to get him one. Right. We're trying to help him get one. So I, I put a, um, built like kind of a tower blind and trying to get the property set up to hold deer and learning. Like this was the whole other rabbit hole I went down and trying to figure that out. And so by doing that, I, I didn't spend as much time in the woods as I'd like to. Because mm-hmm. on a normal, on a normal uh, year, I would be in the woods like just as much as I as much as I can be trying to just learn the area more. I mean, I think that that's a big thing, just learning um, the the topography, the terrain, because it helps you to know, like, if you shoot a deer, oh, well, there's a thicket over here, maybe, or a creek over here, or, you know, because if, if there's it's such a big area, and if, if it's hard to break it down, but if, if you just go in there and you're like, all right, well, you know, I'm not seeing anything, but then, you start remembering all those times you were in. Like, oh, well, I'm going to try over that that spot, or I'm going to go over here, and you know, it, it's like a big puzzle, you know. But mm-hmm. like somebody, it's like somebody gave you a puzzle, but they kept like ten percent of the pieces, you know. Yeah. So, so yep. you're you're trying to put it together without all the pieces. And that's well, that's what I I think we talk about all the time is you're never going to figure out a a piece of land in one year. I mean, you could put boots to the ground and scout that all year and, you know, put all these cameras and do your homework, but you're not going to truly figure it out. I mean, there's places that, you know, whether you're hunting just a couple years or you may be hunting all your life, you know, you're, you're still learning yeah. and putting things together. But I think if you stay at it and, two or three years i know for me you know you start to pay attention to things a little bit differently and you kind of look at things like i remember a couple weeks ago i went out for a walk and you know i saw some tracks and you know and it's just like okay now that makes sense now i know why they're 
you know, using this path and not on, you know, on this side of the ridge versus this side. And, you know, you, you kind of put that puzzle together and then you start to see the picture that's unfolding there. Right. Um, so don't think, you know, don't give up on a spot, right. If you have good sign or, you know, maybe you hunted it, didn't go to plan, you know, keep at it, you know, don't just give up and, and say, ah, I got to move on to a new piece. Right. So, you know, give it a chance and and you're going to learn it over and over and, and, you know, no one perfects, perfects this. Right. Especially when you're hunting public ground or, you know, big woods, there's not going to be that honey hole where, you know, consistently you sit here every year, you're going to get one. Right. Well, when you think about even what you and I went through, the area where we hunted, you know, a decent amount the past couple of seasons on public ground. I know for a fact this past, just last week, I talked to another individual that spoke with a game warden from around here and said that specific spot, uh, deer numbers were down. Um, just going off of, you know, I guess filling tags, whatever it may be. Uh, and, but that kind of correlated with what we saw. I mean, mm-hmm. it didn't, that second week we, was the first time we saw a doe and then we went up what, maybe, two three more times and like got goose egged other than maybe a spiker here and a spiker there but we didn't even see doe when the previous year howie there was a morning that i took off of work and it was a beautiful morning it was like one of the first cold fronts and i you know we went into a the wind was going to be right i just pushed a little bit too far past the deer trail of where they were kind of working their way back up to bedding from from a feeding in the like at night to the morning and I mean that that sit alone. I saw thirteen deer, and that's that's you know public wow, land. That's, that's yeah. pretty pretty good. Yeah, it, it's tough because the food sources change so much. Yeah. The mass crops change, and, and you know it, it could really burn you because you go into a spot, and I mean it could be tore up with rugs and sign, and you know the leaves are kicked over. Everything's in there: the turkeys, the bear, the deer. And, I mean, it looks like you know. The, it looks like a rototiller went through the woods and, and you're like, Oh yeah, this is a great spot. So you put all your eggs in that basket and then you, you, you sit back and it's like, well, I know where I'm going next year. And then you go in there and it's like dead. Well, that yep. year the acorns weren't in there or, or whatever. And then it, it's just like a desert. And then you're like, Oh crap. You know, it's tough because it's three and a half, four hour drive. So you try and get up there as much as you can. But everything's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Even like, um, it, it, if you go up one week, like if you go up one weekend and you see deer, then you go up and hunt that same spot and then you'll see nothing. Well, they shifted. So now you're like five days behind them. Yep. And then, then you got to try and find another spot. Then the following weekend, I mean, if, unless you're taking, like a lot of us don't have the, the time. So you're just going up for the weekends. And then you go up the, the following week and think, well, I think you're going to be here. Well, now, now they're two weeks ahead of you and and you're just like chasing your tail to try and catch up and that's a tough that's yeah that is uh, i mean even for for us like trying to get in on that the freshest sign that we possibly can get into i would say that that's the hardest thing because we are so limited on time so then you're just kind of just like how you said you're chasing your tail trying to find and you're walking through of those areas of what you need to get through find it i mean you did an exceptional job at that this year i think that was like i mean for me as a outsider not being you obviously is just saying like you know what's one thing that i learned from you this season was that like yes you're always stressing like even things that we've known is try to find that fresh sign but actually doing it is is a different thing and seeing you do it this past year and you know 
just missed on an opportunity and you made it on an opportunity three times, like filling two doe tags. And I mean, that was even during rifle season. You knew you did homework and boom, you got in there first thing in the morning. Then your buck during the rut, your doe or like middle of the season for archery. So like, that's my big takeaway is like, even if it means to, I've always been that individual when I get out there, like I got to get set up, I got to get set up. And now it's okay if, if shoot, hunt from the ground then if it's late you know what i mean right. or, or get yeah, you got to adapt to that situation that day i mean yep. you know the wind could be different um you know i i that that burned me already um it, it, there's just so many factors that that go into it um you know like and, and some years you know it, it seems like no matter what you do you can't do anything wrong and mm-hmm. that, i feel like that was this year was my year for that i just made some decisions and a big thing though was before I would always second guess myself. I'm like, you know, I'm going here. And then on the way up, you got three hours, four hours to think about it. And then you start changing your mind and then you're like, oh, I'm going here. And then you wake up that morning and then you, oh, I'm going here. And then, you know, you check your trail camera where you were going to go the first time. And it's like, well, shit, I should have been there. <laughs> and so this year I'm like, you know what? I want to come up with a plan and no matter what, I'm going to stick to that plan right or wrong and indifferent. I'm going to just stick with it and learn from it. So, and, and that's what I did. You know, I just stuck with my gut and which was hard to do. That's really hard to do, but I just, yeah. I stuck with it. And, um, you know, like this year it, it paid off for me. Yeah. Now, Howie, you know, we talked about, you may have limited time to scout. You may not get in the woods. Now for someone that is limited on time, maybe like you said, they have one day, maybe a weekend, but they want to go into whether it's a new spot or a spot they not super familiar with. So maybe it was the first year last year hunting it, but they want to learn more, whether they're shed hunting or just scouting here, February, March, want to really learn the piece, see where the deer are moving. Now, how would you recommend that they, you know, we're talking maybe bigger ridges, mountain PA mountains, uh, how would they pick apart that property? You know, they're limited on time, so they can't just, you know, walk the whole thing or, you know, the, how do they go about maybe gridding that or, or trying to learn that area for the upcoming season? Um, so if, if you know nothing about the property, um, I would try to get some sort of boots on the ground. It don't matter. Hey, if you're going up spring gobbler season, that's a perfect time. Like, Get out there, listen for birds, but look at, okay, look, there's big oaks here. There's, okay, there's oaks. And then, uh, you know, you're, you're following a bird or whatever, you find a thicket. Everybody should have some kind of a, an Onyx. I mean, I use a Spartan Forage app this year. Um, you can just start dropping pins. And then you go back in there in the fall, September, and see if those trees are dropping. If they're dropping acorns, the game's going to be there the covers there um you know then it's i mean then it's a matter of well what kind of caliber deer are you hunting if you're just trying to shoot a legal buck or something i feel like you could get yourself in a really good position to make it happen if if you just you know they got to feed they got to eat and if you, if you follow these food sources you're gonna you're gonna do well yeah well i think that's a hard hard part about just looking e-scouting especially 
big mountain areas is you know you look on the you you look on it you can't i mean you basically see green right you know not like some at people that had in the midwest you know you know you can look at a map and say well this is probably pretty good bedding this is you know a field (laughs) an ag field that they're going to be heading to you know so you could probably i feel like you could do a little bit more preparation but when you see you know basically all green right you can't tell what's in there you know, on the map. And so that makes it a little bit harder to, you know, is this bedding or is, you know, is this just big open timber? You know, it's hard to see that when you're kind of just e-scouting and looking. And like you said, if you don't put boots on the ground, you're not going to figure that out. You know, is there, you know, is there terrain features or, you know, you looking at the map, the topo map, and, and is there something, you know, ridges or points or, you know, creeks, is there anything that you're looking for if you're just looking at a map yeah, there is. I mean, so I'll try to find, say, a logging cut because you could go into a spot that's freshly logged and the deer will be in there immediately, but it doesn't get good to like two or three years later. Um, so if you could see like a logging cut on there, the way the maps are, they don't update frequently. So you know that it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be a couple years older or whatever. And then you could probably go on some kind of a, a site and figure out when they actually log that. But I'll look for that, and then I'll look for a creek. I'll call it a ditch, like a creek ditch, because it, it, usually there's you'll have a ridge, and then you have a, a steep, a deep cut where a spring comes out of. I'm like, okay, there's water, there's a logging cut, and then I will, I will kind of focus on those benches and look at the, the topography where a bench is. They get wide, and then where they neck down and get narrow – coming into like that creek ditch and i could walk up that creek ditch and look for trails coming across and find a big track crossing that ditch or like walk the edge of that clear cut see find a trail if you could see a big track coming out of it and then you see okay there's oaks here um there's mass crop potentially they're feeding on browse in the cut they got bedding but they're going to want to come out to these oaks especially like white oaks or something like that then you know what time that that would be like an early season, uh, that would be like an early season spot. Once those white oaks start dropping, and if you see like the red oaks, you would know. Well, it's probably going to be a little later in the season. Um, and then just trying like it. Then, then I mean, then it comes down to like a lottery, just kind of picking the right bench. But right. you got to if you if you have the time to scout it, um, start walking those benches and seeing where the trails and stuff are coming together. And you're just trying, for me, I'm just trying to find sign that there's deer in the area. And then maybe you'll see some big rubs, might find a scrape and say, okay, they're hanging in this area. This is a good, good spot to check. And, um, you know, like if you're, if you're checking that in spring gobbler season or whatever, and you're seeing that and it's all kind of adding up and then you go back in. And like I said before, if there's, acorns and stuff are there now you know like okay well here's a spot i'm going to go and spend some time right have you uh like playing the wind uh and and all that type of information are you paying attention to like your thermals being like a key component to that as well for for any of your hunts up in the mountains um yes yes and no because you get all wrapped up in that Mm -hmm. and and, and the wind up there is just so... <laughs> it switches every I mean, 10 I, minutes. I, I, I drove myself 
nuts. I, I'd go in one spot and then the wind would switch within an hour and I'm climbing down, walking out and then going to another spot. And then within an hour it switch. And then I'm like, I'm not hunting. All I'm doing is, you know, so I, I try to look at that map and figure out, cause I mean, really, I don't know exactly like, and maybe I need to spend more time scouting to figure out, you know, like some of these guys are really good at bed hunting and knowing mm-hmm. that yours comes right from here to here. But I don't know an, an exact route because that, that buck could be bedded either on this side of the point, this side of the point, or out on this bench. I don't know 100% where that buck's going to come from. So if the wind's hitting one of them spots where I think it could come from, I might just I might just park it there and wait and see what happens because he could come from the other spot. Right. You know? So, I mean, it, the wind up there, I mean, it's – I always carry milkweed and I'm – constantly dropping it um because a lot of times you'll get the swirling winds and i feel like if it's swirling wind they might get like a, a, a slight whiff but then it, it's not enough to really they might be like hey what was that and then oh i don't smell it now and you know i don't know yeah because you know it, it's public land i know there's small game hunters out there's they smell human scent at, at some point or another so it's not like they never smell it and then you go in and then you're the first human scent they smell like oh i'm i'm not going over there because i i definitely know that that that's some kind of a danger or something right yeah i uh one of the th- things that i'm going to be keying in on for next year especially hunting back at home like northeast pa uh is mainly that cover and that higher elevation just because again i think I, I've been hunting more so on that lower side of things and just seeing again, where we've noticed more of the mature bucks that we've got on camera. I mean, I would get them at night a little bit, uh, but as, as I'm getting them at night, I'm getting them going down to fields that are across like down off the property basically. And, uh, so the past three or four years, I've been kind of hunting towards the bottom of that elevation because my dad has always been right in that middle of it. I would say uh, from the top, very tippy top is kind of like where we park and we would walk down a little bit, a couple ridges down and, you know, hunt on, on either side of, of the road, basically. Uh, I mean, it's not a road, it's just a path. Um, and, you know, that's, we've had success. I had a ton of success gun hunting that my whole life. And uh, a couple of years ago, I was finally able to get like that, that nice archery buck up there. And I would say this past year, more so than not, and I would say actually the past two years, we've gotten more mature bucks, just nice quality deer moving up higher on that elevation, which kind of makes sense. Everything that I've been reading and just, you know, that buck bedding's on that higher elevation and just some other kind of things that I've learned about it of from that opposite side on the top, it's really not touched. And I just think those deer are just bedding and living in that area. They don't have to travel very far. So that's going to be my big thing is trying to get into cover in that higher elevation being just outside of their bedroom um, or their core area and just trying right. to f- figure it out, you know, just be on those edges uh, and kind of even like look where that elevation drops, like whether it be on like looking at the different, maybe where saddles are going and where the benches are uh, and those key points uh, for, for on some of those ridges, just to kind of work my way on that whole other side. And that's what I'm excited to do. And is that cover and try to those different higher elevation spots for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually did 
the opposite because I've been hunting the higher spots. Mm -hmm. But it, it was weird. I had my one of my best encounters on an east wind. Um, I had a giant. I mean, and I screwed I screwed up on him uh, twenty yards, but I I knew it was that was just a, a goofy thing that happened. I, I should have been ready and whatever. I wasn't and. I wasn't able to get a shot off. It would have probably been my biggest buck. Mm -hmm. But um, these last two years, the wind, I, I, I can't get that east wind. It was like a south wind, southwest. Um, and when normally it's like a north north wind or northeast sometimes. It, and I couldn't get that. So I, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to try and stay lower this year. And that's that led to my success. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I... I've done well with encounters higher on good deer, good buck, but I wasn't able to get it done. Now talk about, about your success then this year, just to, if you want to dive into that a little bit of like, sure. you know, talk about how you changed things up about that. So, I mean, that was, I was kind of waiting. I, I had a trail camera out. Um, I, I put them out July, August, and I was able to get in and check it, and I had some good, some pretty good buck on there. Um, so I was like, all right, well, I, I need a west wind. But it was kind of goofy because I got in there, and that wind came over that that it was an east facing ridge, and or east facing hillside, and the wind was coming over the top as west wind. But there was like a ridge that came down, and a couple ridges came together. Or not, like they dumped down together, making uh, almost like a turkey foot. Okay. And and what happened? Um, I was dabbling around some other spots and just wasn't coming up with anything. And there was another spot that I seen a real nice buck, and I bought a cell cam, hung it up. Um, and then small game hunters came in. It was like a clear cut, so I, that camera went dead. Which was good because I'm like, okay, well, at least I know not where where not to go now. Yep. So I'm like, I'm not going to go there. I, I got this west wind, and I had to go down, cross this river, get up in. It was real tough access to get in there. But the, the way that one ridge came down, like behind me, what happened? That that wind came over that ridge and hit that hillside behind me, and like swept around, made like a J, and actually backdrafted back up the hill so it was coming out of the west but then i was actually getting an east wind and i'm like well shit this ain't no good i'm <laughs> dropping milkweed and i'm like i gotta move so i get down and i start walking it was thick in there i'm like this this is looking bucky like i i should get up a tree like right now yeah and i didn't listen i took like three more steps and i jumped the good one i'm like why didn't you listen like i, <laughs> I knew it and he got up but it was weird because he didn't, like, blow or anything. He just kind of got up and ran. So I had a camera uh, about 40 yards uh, from where I jumped that buck. It was actually, like, 60 yards up. I'm like, and I already picked out a tree, like, the weekend before because you can't hunt on Sunday. So yeah. Sundays during season, I'll get up in the morning and I'll go for a walk, maybe pull cards or just try and go to another area and check one of my spots and be, like, like where I was hunting but go – a little on the outskirts of it you know what i mean mm -hmm. like 
And if I see sign in it, I'm like, okay, now I know I need to spend time maybe over here. So I already had this tree marked and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm already jumped this buck. I'm like, should I bump and dump him? Just go up right here. It's like, no, I, I had that tree. It's only like 40 yards. So I went up, got up this, there's a big maple and there's like a, it was three, uh, had three trunks and it was a bugger to get up in. And so that, at that time I switched to the lone wolf 0.5 stand, but I still ran the saddle out of it and, uh, got up in there. And so I jumped that buck about 10 o'clock at nine 30, 10 o'clock in the morning and about one thirty, I think that buck came, came back. Okay. And then I'm like, okay, but I wasn't able to get a shot. He kind of went into the thick stuff and went on through. And then about three fifteen, <clears throat> I heard, which I thought was a squirrel. And I looked and then I seen this deer. He must've been bedded right there. So when I, I don't know, if this was like a buck nest. They may all been bedded in that one little thick spot on that hill. Cause like the rest of it's all big, wide open woods. So it's like the only thick spot on that hillside. Right. Um, and he came down to my left. I just, I kept ranging him like, nah, 45 yards. I'm like, I'm not going to take that shot. And then he got the 30, which I learned the lesson too. I got all excited and I ranged the opening. Well, which was 30 yards or something is what the range finder said. And I looked at my 30 yard pin. I'm like, all right, dude, don't screw this up. This is where you practice all your four. There's your pin, 30 yards, put that pin on him and pull through the shot. Do not, um, hammer or, you know, do not like whatever, just make the shot happen. Yep. So we stepped into that opening and I pull, pull, pull shot breaks felt pretty good. Um, and, and it was kind of thick. So I gave him about, I don't know. It seemed like eternity. I gave him, I think like 45 minutes to an hour. I'm like, well, I want to just go down and at least look at the shot like wh- where it was. So I, I walked down there to that trail and ranged my tree at 26 yards. So I'm thinking, Oh crap. I probably hit high, picked up the arrow and it was covered in blood, but it was dark. So I'm thinking, well, it might, might be liver. It's like, well, I'm going to have to give this deer some time. <clears throat> so I went back to my stand and took it down. I'm like, do I want to just leave it here? and just sneak out of here now and try not to make noise or do I just pack everything up? But I'm looking at this arrow and I text a couple of my buddies. I'm like, what do you think? I'm like, that's dead deer. But you always have that doubt, you know? Yep. So I'm like, all right, um, I'm going to, I'm going to pack this stand up, get out of here. I, I followed the blood trail a little bit on my way out, which I didn't like. It, it ran the way I had to, to, to get out of there. So, I always ha- carry flagging tape with me, so I and I didn't. Ha- I really didn't have any blood at all. The drops found last blood, hung a ribbon there, and I seen like in the leaves kicked up, like where a deer may have broke off that trail. But he was heading, like the blood trail was heading back into the thick stuff. And okay. logically, I'm thinking, well, he's hit. 
he's going to run into that thick stuff and bed down and over in there. And that's where I want to find him in the morning. But I kept looking at this, like leaves kicked up. Something ran off this trail that to the right. And th- this trail was kind of going to my left. If you're looking down the hill and to the right, I mean, my immediate right was a real steep ravine where a Creek ditch went down through. Which I tried when I set up, I wanted to be kind of close to that, hoping my thermals would pull down that ditch towards uh, evening. Um, <clears throat> so I just walked straight down, went went out to the truck, and um, came back in the next morning, created all that thick stuff out, and I didn't find nothing. It's like, well, that's I don't know, I don't know where where he could have went. Maybe he. But I kept thinking in my mind where I seen those leaves kicked up off that trail. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the uh, to the ditch, st- crossed it, started walking up the other side. Now I dropped a couple pins on the map, and I'm looking at my phone. It's like okay, so I got another hundred yards to go until I'm pretty much parallel to where I, I marked last blood. And I walked like another forty yards and just looked down down it back into the creek and, and he laid there and then i started yelling kind of <laughs> <laughs> so i did have a buddy with me he um he he's like yeah i'll come give you a hand so him him and i were you know critting that out and it's like well one last time here i'm going to go over the other side like crick we didn't go over there yet and walk it and he went over and walked down the creek and i walked up and and got you know found it Wow, it's emotional. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, I, was, just, I was like all, all but teared up because it was just like a roller coaster. You know, it's like you yeah. put all that effort into it, and then when it finally happens, it's like, man, you're just overwhelmed with um, emotion. Yeah, well, because there's so many there's so many doubts that run through your mind, whether it's a, you know what I mean, and whether a buck, more so a buck, obviously, just because that's what we work so hard for. But shoot, even a doe. I mean, yeah, you, I, you know. Kind of, yep. Kind of go went through that even for myself this past. It was the last day of rifle season, and uh, man, I thought I hit a perfect, perfect shot. And to this day, I'm still not convinced that the broadhead didn't. I was using a dead meat, and I mean, smoked is. I, 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 mean, I never celebrate after a shot, but after the yeah. se- season I was, I was having, and I, I mean. Kind of like what you were saying. I was just pulling, pulling, pulling. I was so calm, actually. I was on the ground, and I let it rip. Oh, cool. I let it rip, and I just watched it. Like, I watched the arrow go through this deer, like, double lung, like, heard the pop, and I did not find my arrow, and I did not find a speck of blood. Yeah, man, that's rough. And I'm like, what? Are You got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? Like, And I was excited to use these dead meats just because of, you know, they're the carnage that I was hoping that I was going to be able to use in the property that I was on. I've, you know, it was kind of like, ah, let's, let's use something kind of a bigger cut just to play it safe. So a deer doesn't be running all over the place. And, uh, I, I did not find anything like at all. So I was like, well, I, I, I mean, I went up the next morning at that night too. It, it obviously, what well, did it rain? Like maybe 45 minutes after I mm-hmm. called you, Dimitri. Yep. I mean, but even there, like at the point of impact and the trail that, that she took off, I mean, not a speck of blood, nothing, not like not one drop. And I'd still to this day, never found my arrow. 
Wow. Yeah. And you, you didn't you, you didn't recover that deer? No. Nope. So I'm I'm using the uh, the Magnus Stingers. Yep. And my arrows are coming in right around 500 grain, mm-hmm. four fletch. Um, and I, I don't know what happened either. Like when I shot my, my buck, I, I thought, man, it felt good. It was a good, like, I feel like I made a good shot as far as going through my process, pulling through shot broke, you know, everything happened decent. I don't know if he, you know, maybe turned at the shot. Uh, maybe I, I nicked a couple branches or, uh, you know, just something. Yeah. But I ended up hitting him like back, back in the liver. And it came out like real good. Um, like right behind the, the offside shoulder. Mm-hmm. But it, it was weird because it, it exited. It actually came out like when I looked at the shot, the exit on, on the deer, I'm like, well, that's, that's freaking good i'm like i don't i I don't understand why there's no blood but that arrow actually went between the hide and the ribs like six inches and then it came out through the hide and you know into the dirt so that hole the hole in the ribs and the hole in the hide were offset by like six inches so as that deer is running you know those those holes are like going back and forth Mm -hmm. so every now and then maybe a drop of blood would come out well, that, there's a stick it, stuck in that hole, like the size of my pinky, and plugged it. Wow. Yeah, what are the like, odds? what are the chances? <laughs> yeah, what are the odds? Yeah, I mean, I used to shoot the rages, and um, but I feel like you put all this time and everything into these public land deer, low deer density, um, you, you might only get one opportunity at one deer mm-hmm. in a season, and... I don't want to leave anything to chance. Like, could it fail? Could it not? Like, I, that's one last thing I want in my mind to thinking, oh, th- th- did it fail? Like, cut on contact, at least I know it's going to open. Th- right. There's no mechanical parts in there to, to break down. Um, then, you know, after the shot, you're like, my, I wish I had a mechanical. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I just, I, I've been shooting the fixed blades for a couple of years, and I, I feel like if you could find something that um, that flies really good, and you're confident in it, confident in that, like that's huge. Yeah. Like if it if it hits behind the pin where you're aiming, um, that's that's awesome. Like that's pretty much all you can ask for. Because I've had hard times tuning other broadheads. They would hit all over the place, and you know, that's the last thing you you want in the back of your mind going into season. Like man, these things are all over, and then you, you I got it kind of close, and then now now it's time to hunt. I don't want to be messing with the bow anymore. Um. So I ended up actually setting up another bow for target just to practice with a good attack and 3D mm-hmm. shoots. And I bought um, an RX-5 last year, 30-inch uh, axle-to-axle. I figured it would be nicer to shoot out of the saddle with, with that tighter axle-to-axle. Yep. So I, now I feel like that's sighted in. I'm not going to mess. Like, I'll shoot it and make sure every, like as season comes and stuff. But I sighted in last year. Everything was good. Because every year I'd be messing with something and changing my setups. I'm like, I, I want to get a setup dialed in and leave it. Yep. That's your, like, that's strictly your hunting rig. And that is strictly your mess around and shoot 3D and, and you know, mess around bow. Yes, exactly. Because, I mean, you know, you, you want to practice your fundamentals of, of shot process and all that, which carries over when you're hunting. So, 
do that with your your target bow and you could stretch it out you know i got a slider on there so i'll shoot 80 90 100 yards whatever then i get the hunt rig out and i'll shoot that in between just make sure it's on and just because you know the lead also a little different and whatnot mm-hmm. but just just to make sure everything's good and then shoot that a little bit before season but you know hey that's set up for broadheads you're good to go and now you're not messing around going back and forth changing site changing and trying to get this set up and you know that yep. that was always a struggle for me too the last couple of years and like last year I'm like you know what I'm just gonna I'm gonna bite the bullet get another bow which you know everything's so expensive nowadays it's yeah it's tough so yeah but it, you know like you said now now you have two bows one's the, your tinkering bow and mess around with on the 3D courses and whatnot and the other one's just strictly for a hunt rig and. Our buddy Jim, I mean, that's he's always talking about that. Like, he wants just that killer bow that is just going to annihilate deer. <laughs> like, you know, and, and have it be his strictly hunting rig, and then he has his other bow to, to tinker around <laughs> with and, and do different arrow setups and sight setups and all kinds of stuff with it. Yeah. I, I mean, could you, I mean with, with everything coming out and, and every, you know, you, you get all these, everything, oh, this is the best all, all the time. It's like, what do you do? Yeah, and, and you know you buy new arrows every year, and then you buy new broadheads, and then you know you're a couple hundred dollars in the hole. And I mean, heck, that <laughs> that could be that could be an out of state tag or something. Yeah, that you know you could just be spending that time or gas money to go hunting somewhere else or whatever. Absolutely. So speaking of three D, uh, you're gonna be uh, doing PA tack this year. This weekend's the uh, sign up for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to get the guys together now to get all the information because uh, I'm. I guess I'm pretty much in charge of uh, setting it up. So yeah, we we did it last year for the first time, and oh my god, I had so much fun, and <laughs> we all, we all had a blast. I mean, I guess there got to be something wrong with you. You don't have fun there. So yeah, we uh we're we're gonna be there um probably Friday night, uh, shoot Saturday and shoot Sunday and go home. Nice. Yeah, we're planning on right now, hopefully being there Friday night and then shooting Saturday. And then I actually have to skedazzle home pretty quickly on Sunday just because my daughter has a dance recital. But uh, that's usually, I had to do that last year. But we shot, I did shoot a little bit before Sunday before I had to leave. And I, it just was too rushed. I only got like 10, 10 uh, targets on, not even, I don't even think. And by that point in time, it was actually, we shot Sunday was a knock on course, which was the only course now that I could see myself really wanting to shoot there just after seeing the layout, the walk and, uh, yeah, that was, that, we shot uh, the loophole course and knock on. And I mean, we, we had a ball. Yep. Um, I think this year we're going to do uh Sika and prime. Nice. Yeah, I just really enjoyed the the knock on course. I thought it was really cool, and now that that I I want to see it all too, basically. But those, if the first ten or nine targets, whatever I shot, are any indication of what the rest are, man, I'm I'm ecstatic for that. So, uh, yeah, so we'll be shooting that one Saturday, and then head home and see how it goes. That's the that's yeah, the plan we'll have for to us. Meet up out there. Hell yeah, man, for sure. And I man, I just hope we we could all get the tea. You know, I say tea times, but the knock times is. <laughs> as uh just because i man four years in a row trying to go there it's it's always something trying to get your knock on times 
it's just tough. And uh, you saw that. I don't know if you saw, but they changed it again to last year's uh, registration. Yeah, yeah, we we that was a rare. Yeah, we were trying to set up a team and yeah, because I'm like that. That's pretty cool that yeah. you have all the information in there, and then um, it, it'll it'll be a breeze. But then I was like, well, shit, because everything's gonna sell out real quick now. So I was like, you gotta be on the ball. Yeah. But then I seen they posted that uh, that it was going back to last year until they can develop it a little, you know, fine tune it or whatever, which is cool, you know. So at least I know now, you know, what to expect. Mm-hmm. The site crashing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's just, I just hope not. But no, man, yeah. good stuff, Howie, man. I, I appreciate you uh, coming on, dude, and talking a little bit about PA mountain buck hunting. And- oh, man. I, I'm, I, 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 hey, thanks for having me. I mean, I, I could talk all night about this yeah. uh this is i love it uh you know hell it's two 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 here and this only comes around once in a while once in a lifetime and i'm, I'm honored you know you'd have me on and want to record oh, a podcast you know on, on a special day like that so no heck yeah this is what it's about this is what we love doing just talking to people and just deer hunting this is our passion what we freaking love and others that you know ooze it as well it's just it's easy to talk about and you know there's so many things that we could all learn from each other and grow and get better and yeah you know and, that's, and that's that's what one, it's about that's one thing i was trying to do like when i was on the uh backcountry pa podcast i said to those guys i'm so i'm trying to i wanted to do like a a big woods workshop mm-hmm. and do like a scouting thing and have a couple people a bunch of people come not saying that, Hey, I know a bunch, you know, like I want to, I want everybody to learn from every, everybody, you know, like yeah. we all come up, I got a camp to go to, we'll go out to a piece, we'll scout it and like dive in, we'll split up in the groups and then like come back have a lunch and then maybe, you know, change the groups and like, just see how like you would break it down, how I'd break it down, how he'd break it down and just kind of learn off of each other. Cause one thing I feel like I'm, I'm seeing tunnel vision when I'm scouting, yeah. um, and I'm like, I must be, I'm probably missing something. And I would like to see how other people do it. And, you know, I need, I need to take, I want to take it to the next step, the next level, because I mean, there's some nice bucks up there in the mountains. And it's like, I, I really want to try and focus on getting one. So, you know, anything I can learn to better myself and if I could help somebody better themselves or, you know, help that learning curve and, you know, learn myself that that's all better, make us all better hunters and, you know, yeah, it's something I want to try and put together. I just don't know how to go about it yet. Yeah, man, that's it sounds like a great idea. And I, you're on to something for sure. I mean, just to kind of quickly, I mean, I had, I like just because of our schedules for what we've got going on, like I've been dying to try to get Dimitri to come back home and drive home with me for just a day or something like that for he could see that property. But one of the days, uh, my buddy, our buddy Jim, he met up with me because he works in that area at times. And I went in for a summer uh, I had something going on and then for a couple of days and he drove up and I just said, Hey, you know, if, if I'm in town for a couple of days, drive up and uh, let's go hang out. We'll shoot our bows. And I want you to walk around the mountain with me just because it's always been my dad and I, and exactly what you said, your, your tunnel vision, right? You're always just, well, this right. is how, this is what we've always seen and all that type of stuff. And long story short, I took him to all our spots. You know, we put out some extra cameras and we did all that type of stuff. And I looked, I showed him where my dad usually likes to go climb up during rifle season and he's looking at it and he's like, I don't know, man, like definitely for rifle, I could see why. Cause it's super thick. And after the, you know, them, the deer being pressured, you know, for 
most of the year and then coming into this area for sure. Cause my dad had success in that area. He goes, ah, man, I, I would definitely try to push one of you guys to go in here during archery season. Cause my dad like never went in there. Like he never yeah. touched that, that specific spot. Well, it was the Sunday hunting and Friday night. He missed a big gut boy that we had on camera, <laughs> like kind of up top. It wasn't in that, in that spot. And Saturday it rained. We kind of got washed out. We had to go to my great aunt's uh, party. And he, that night he's like, where do you think Jer? And every time that I told him where to go the next day, he never did. And in either, I got a nice camera picture of a buck and yeah, I'm just like, it, dude, like, you gotta, you gotta listen to me once in a while. Like just to give me a chance. And I said, man, I don't know dad. I would definitely go where you go for rifle season. He's like, do you think I said, yeah, I said some of those deer, I saw that one crossing over like just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I got, I went down further uh, where I was in some action Friday. I was just on the outskirts. So I went in and pushed in a little bit more. And I mean, six fifty-five in the morning and I got a phone call and it was him. And I was just like, you shot. He's like, yep. And he shot a nice little, <laughs> shot a nice seven point, you know, mountain buck. And that's he, awesome. You know, and it was just, it's just neat to kind of relate that back to like Jim going in there, just that fresh eyes and being like, well, when do you guys hunt this? And yeah. you know, I just always it, said, see? he yep. only goes in there during rifle and he's like, he should come in here during archery. And it was just, there we go. You know what I mean? And we set up some different mock scrapes that we've never, ever done before up there. And my dad was like, just floored about how, you know, these bucks are just hitting some of these mock scrapes and even does. And, you know, when I see the doe hitting, I'm like, I get even more fired up because that's just putting more natural scent on these scrapes and on these branches. And I mean, it was just, it was just so cool to see. And that's where we were getting a lot of kind of action. I said, get in there and, you know, seven o'clock came and he, he arrowed one. That's freaking awesome. You know, it, it like growing up listening to the old timers and everybody that hunted up there, you know, everybody had a spot and yep. It's like, oh, that's my spot. Or, you know, you go up that, well, that's John's spot. That's Jim's spot. There's Glenn's spot. And, you know, they, they'd be where you could see wide open woods down to a hollow or whatever, you know, you could cover ground. And and when I started hunting up there, it's like, you know, I got to have my spot. And then <laughs> couldn't find it. And then, you know, it, everything changed, though, because it's like o- over that time period, they went up there and, and hunted and, and were successful. Like, you know, you, they could kill deer 10 years in a row at, at that spot. Yep, and then you go there now that spot, and it's like it's dead. So it's like it. You can't. I don't know. It's good. It's okay to have a spot, but you got to have multiple spots. Mm -hmm. Or, or I think I don't know if you got. Well, yeah, you had a Ryan Glitzky on. Mm -hmm. He talks about the spot within the spot, Mm -hmm. and you know you got to find that or like that kill tree or whatever. Like just dialing it in, that paying attention to that extra detail to to. To get yourself, I mean, especially when you're talking with a bow, you know, to get oh. yourself in, in that kill zone. Yeah, Ryan's a stud. We loved having him, him on and just a yeah. complete animal. He puts out some good stuff when, when he's on. But no, man, I, I appreciate it. Let's let's uh, let's reconvene. We'll message through that on, on Instagram and talk about how we could maybe do something. That, that'd be really cool. And Yeah. Um, um, if so we could be a part I, of that. I just bought a, a vacation rental property up there. And uh, I'm trying to get that going now. So that's kind of, I wanted to do it uh, like towards the end of March. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be putting a damper on it. I don't know if we could make it happen April or something. I mean, we're getting close to trout season and turkey season. But um, if we can't get it to happen this year, uh, maybe next year. But, yeah, I would definitely like to do that. Let's uh, keep in touch, man. 
Absolutely. Now, so where can people find you, Howie, and, and look you up and, and follow follow along with your journey? So, I mean, I'm on Facebook at Howie Miller. Um, I'm, I'm kind of not on there as much as Instagram. Uh, Instagram is pretty much, I, I pretty much share only my hunting stuff on there. Uh, that's Howie underscore H2 underscore Miller. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm on there quite actually too much, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> We all are. That's not yeah, but that's where I, I post a lot of my hunting stuff and try and stay out of the politics and stuff like that. So you, you could follow me on there, message me or whatever you want, and we could, you know, love to talk hunting. So. Awesome, man. Nah, man, I thank you again, dude, for coming on. And no, thanks. Thank you. I, I had a great time. This was a blast. Awesome, man. Same here. Well, everybody, thank you again for, for tuning in live and Antler Up. That's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, Howie, for coming on. Again, everybody, thank you so much for all the support. Check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, Go Wild, and our YouTube channels. We got some more stuff coming to Go Wild here in the next couple of weeks, some more articles and videos. So, again, check that stuff out. It's great stuff. Brad's an awesome dude over there at Go Wild. So, check it out. And thanks again for tuning in. See you next week, Antler Up.